is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Today we're going to be going through Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start there, so go ahead and turn there real quick. And then we're, from there, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> so Jimmy wanted to encourage us this year to press on in 2022. Um, and uh, through this, this year, um, he wanted to not only use me to encourage us to do that, but also other people in this church, such as Jim Cram and Earl Weech. And Pastor Jimmy is going to preach next week as well. And uh, what he... What he's picturing is that um, we press on in 2022. We press on to the goal. And we're going to read about that goal this morning um, in Philippians chapter 3. So um, before we get into that, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, get right into Philippians chapter 3. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word gives us understanding, that it shows us how to live this life. I pray that you would... Help us to be um, humble to listen and obey, to to rest in who you are, um, to allow our lives to be sacrificed to you so that you can use us for your kingdom. And I pray as we're looking at this coming year and and our goals and and how we're living our life, I pray that you would convict us, that you would encourage us to um, encourage us to to reevaluate our lives and make different decisions, and that our goal would be to know Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's go into Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. It says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of of us who are mature think this way, If you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Now, um, the pressing on part in uh, the ESV version, in chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is what we're going to be talking about right at the beginning. So one of the hardest things in life is to keep pressing on to the end. It's hard. Life is exhausting, and we can so easily get lost in trying to just get through the rigmarole of every single day. Paul is probably, he's feeling this as well, and he writes here to encourage us to press on to the goal. Now, every single new year that comes up, People just, they look back at their lives and they reevaluate their goals and what they're trying to do this coming year. Um, But instead of looking at our our physical or financial, whatever type of goals, today I want to look at 
our goals in light of the kingdom of God. And to do this, we need to stop and ask, what is the goal that we are pressing on to? Because no matter if we set a goal or not, we have a goal. It may be subconscious, it might be deliberate, we have a goal that we're pressing on to. So this task of evaluating our goals is one that is usually not really enjoyable at first because it, it takes admitting what we have to improve in. Um, but after we do that, we can find joy in knowing that we have the proper direction when the goal is properly set. I can remember uh, many January 1st coming around, and some years I was excited to look back at the past and be like, okay, yeah, I did good this year. I read these many books, and, and I stayed on my diet, and I only spent this much money, and then there's those years that I did not want to look back whatsoever because I knew I failed at every step along the way. And, but for, for us, as followers of Christ, we have something greater than just the, the goals of living, like reading books or going to the gym or quiet, uh, uh, spending habits or just whatever it might be when it comes to this world. We have a, a, a deeper goal that we're going to talk about here. And what I want us to do is, um, is evaluate that goal that Paul is, is talking about. Um, so let's, let's go back um, to talk about the goal. The goal is, he says, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward go- goal is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when I read this, I was honestly confused. I was like, well, the upward call of God in Christ, what is, exactly does that mean? If you go back to verse 10, he specifically lays it out, which I'm thankful Paul doesn't usually do that. In verse 10, he says, My goal, thank you, is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering by being conformed to his death. Paul explains that this goal that he's talking about us, that we should press on to, is that we are to know him, to know Jesus. That is our goal, to know him. And, and I, I think what he's, when he's saying this, it means that we need to spend time with Jesus and, and, and get to know him. And, and the, the best way to get to know Jesus is by reading his word. But we also can do it through prayer. And we can also do it by being with the body of Christ. Do you know that you guys are Jesus Christ to one another when you encourage one another in his word? We can't know Jesus and first unless we learn about him. We can't know Jesus unless we talk to him. And we can't know Jesus unless we interact with him, a.k.a. being a part of the body of, of Christ. So if Paul is asking us to know Jesus and he's telling us to press on to this goal, it must mean that truly knowing Jesus and sustaining that relationship is hard for us to do. It's hard for us to do. And I think this is because no matter how much love Jesus has for us, we continually let the the pleasures and the persecutions of this world choke out that love. When we see something pleasurable that that, um, Jesus doesn't want us to do, we have a choice to either follow Jesus in that moment or we can deny Jesus and enjoy that pleasure. And a lot of the, the pleasures in this world come from our eyes. The Proverbs uh, says that death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the eyes of man. 
our eyes lead us astray into many different paths um, that say they will fulfill us at the time, but in the end, they don't do anything for us. Paul is saying that our goal should be to know Jesus instead of giving ourselves over to sin. And the reason why Paul said this is because he knew that Jesus is the only one who will ever truly satisfy us. I mean, he could have said the goal is to, to do everything that Jesus told you to do and um, give to these people and work in the church, uh, amongst the church and do all these little tasks. He says, no, the goal is to know him. Um, he can, Paul continues on to say that we should know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering by being conformed to his death. And I think Paul is saying we need to know that the resurrection that Jesus experienced is ours as well. And that since death wasn't the end of him, we also don't have death as the end of us. So when we are asked to daily die to ourselves, that, that death that we're, we're dying to our flesh we're becoming alive in Jesus Christ so that we can live right now, but e even when death comes at the door, where we die one day, that one day we have the hope of the resurrection. You see, unless we die to our selfish desires, our will, our passion, we will never truly live. Only by us setting our goal to know and die with Jesus will we, we, we be able to build a kingdom other than our own other than our own kingdom. So Paul is, he's beckoning us to come and die so that we can live a life full of purpose and with hope of the resurrection. So as we move forward, knowing Jesus must be our goal that we press on to. And if our goal is anything else, we have missed the beauty of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. But it isn't easy to press on towards this goal. So as uh, in the next few weeks, Jimmy and Jim and Earl are going to take different topics of this goal, and we're, they're going to encourage us to move forward and press on in knowing Jesus Christ in different ways. So today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, so go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Um, and we're going to be looking at how we should press on to unity how we are to press on to unity. So just give you a little context in Romans 12. Paul, he just finished laying out the fullest explanation of the gospel to the church in Rome. And he was explaining that all of humanity is trapped in sin. Um, the Jews thought that by having the Torah, um, that they would be able to be rescued you have Jesus, but you also have the law that they, they could live their lives by. And Paul was reminding them that Jesus is the only way to be rescued. Not by your works, it's by Jesus Christ him alone. And it is by faith in Jesus that you will be saved from sin and be forgiven. So he was showing them that as we have faith in Jesus, not only does he save us, but we also become like him. And it is us becoming like Jesus that will change our lives, but also change the culture and how we interact with one another. And this is very important because at the time, the Jews were coming back to Rome after being expelled by Emperor Claudius. And they were coming back to the church run by Gentiles. And they weren't Jews, so they didn't know the law and the Torah and all these different things. 
And there are a lot of debates and a lot of quarrels on how to follow Jesus because of this. So we pick up in, in chapter 12 where Paul is urging the church to offer their lives as a living sacrifice. They are to be unified. And this unification can only happen if love and forgiveness are displayed between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, I bet you're asking, I mean, what, what does this have to do with us? I mean, aren't we, as a church, aren't we unified for the most part? And I think BCBC is an amazing church. I think that we are unified in many ways. But I want us to take a few moments to examine if we are also unified with kingdom-mindedness, the same kingdom-mindedness that Paul had of knowing Jesus, of knowing Jesus. So um, we'll get into the scripture, and then we'll break this down a little bit. So uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than, than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, and if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, there, there are a couple ways that I see that Paul is encouraging us to be unified. And the first one we're going to talk about is to press on to unity with the Father, to press on to unity with the Father. So let's go back to verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He, Paul starts this chapter by asking them to sacrifice their lives for the Father. And the only way that we can become unified with the Father is by laying down our lives. Paul says that this is our spiritual worship. He gives a great reason for why we should lay down our lives when he uses this phrase, by the mercies of God. And when I, when I read that back over, I was like, huh, that's, that's weird. That's usually not how it works. When in the, in the Old Testament, when you gave a sacrifice, you were going to the temple to give something so that you can receive something, forgiveness or mercy or whatever, Paul is saying here, because you have already been given mercy, sacrifice. It's flipped on its head, where we have been given this wonderful grace and mercy from God, and he said, because you've given that, been given that, sacrifice your life. <clears throat> when we sacrifice our lives, we are saying we want to be unified with the Father's will. And um, as I was reading these verses, um, I came up with three ways that I think that we can be unified with the will of the Father. 
that we can be unified with the will of the Father. And the first one comes from looking at Jesus' life. Um, Jesus, the first one is spend time with the Father. Spend time with the Father. Jesus was the perfect example of how to sacrifice his life. And one of the ways he did this was by spending time with the Father. And we usually find Jesus off with the Father somewhere alone. And he spent hours upon hours upon hours, even when he was tired, even when he was exhausted, he went to the Father. People would come to him after being on the mountain, he was up on the mountain, came down, and, and he hadn't slept on that long, and people come to him and said, we need this from you, teach us, or give us this, or whatever. And he would go and do that, and then he would go back up to his Father. I, don't, I know he slept sometimes, but it seemed like he found his energy, his source of life, everything by being with the Father. And I think this goal can be accomplished both in the, the individual setting, but also in the corporate setting. When we come together to pray and to seek God as the body of Christ, um, we are taking time out of our lives and saying, this is for you to speak into my life, Lord. I want direction. I want purpose. I want understanding. And not only should we do that corporately, but we can also do that individually and, and set time in our, in our life to go and go be behind a closed door and say, God, I'm here to seek you. So the first thing, um, first way to be unified as a father is to spend time with him. Um, to go on, Paul says in verse 2 that we, do, uh, that we are not supposed to be conformed to this world. Another way for us to be unified with the father is to deny following the world. And that's hard. That is so hard. Um, the world wants to pull at us at every single moment. It wants to pull us away from doing the will of the Father. Now, here, when he's writing it, he's not specifically talking... Um, he, he's talking to the Jews and Gentiles who were disagreeing about how to follow Jesus. And here, instead of that dividing line of you should follow Jesus and do these laws, and no, we follow Jesus by faith and faith alone this dividing wall that was between them that they needed to work out, he was moving that. He was saying, the division is not between these two sections. The division is actually between, are you conformed to the world or are you conformed to Christ? Are you, are you following the world and its desires or are you letting God transform you? Um, and God's will and desire for us is that we would be like Jesus and be transformed into Jesus every single day. Paul continues on after denying the world. He, he says that we're supposed to be transformed. In the Greek, this word is metamorpho, like metamorphosis, like you have a caterpillar that goes into a butterfly. Um, another place that this word is used is actually at the transfiguration where Jesus Christ, his body is glorified and he is glowing. That's what he's talking about for us, that we need to be transformed into the new human, the, the human that we're supposed to be at all times by being with Jesus. Um, when we are changed, when we are given this new life, um, we, w- he gives us the ability to be his representatives on earth. And that's a big thing. That, that's, that's a big responsibility for us. When we are given this transformation by knowing Jesus, we represent him on earth. So instead of being this world 
minded person that follows the will of the world, we're supposed to be transformed into being and looking like Jesus Christ. So uh, he says the one of the ways to do that is by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. So how do we renew our minds? What does that actually mean? And I think it goes back to spending time reading the Word of God, praying and being in fellowship with others. And this is like an ongoing theme because I think, and I knew I grew up this way, life is about doing what Jesus tells you to do, doing what Jesus tells you to do, doing what you, instead of just spending time and knowing. And it's, it's hard for me sometimes to get in the Word because I'm always searching for something to find. I'm searching, like, okay, I need a new, a new, new mystery, a new gift, a new, whatever it might be. And sometimes he's just asking us to, to open the Bible and just read. And that's hard for us to get past sometimes because we want to have, okay, this scripture said this, and that means I can apply it this way, and I can do this now. And it's like, no, I just want you to sit and renew your mind and listen to what I have to tell you, okay? So to be transformed, we just need to sit with, with Jesus. And the third one is, that um, he says that we are better unified with the Father when we test that his will is better. We test that his will is better. And uh, we were talking about this in Sunday school this morning, how the Israelites, they tested God, and God did not like it. Now here, I don't think he's saying, I want you to know what's true and not do it by testing me. No, I think he's saying, I want you to deny the world Renew your mind, be transformed, and see that this is so much better. That this is so much better than anything the world can give you. That's, that's the testing that he wants us to do. He wants us to look back at our lives and say, wow, God, you've really transformed me, and you made me to who I should be. And even if it's hard, I'm pressing on to that. He wants us to test that his will is better. Paul continues his thought of unity by explaining, expanding it and what it means that not only be unified with the Father, but he, he asks us to be unified with one another, the body of Christ, to be unified with one another. He encouraged us to press on to unity with one another. And his specific context was the merging of two different cultures, the Jews and the Gentiles. But today, we too need to look at how we treat one another and see if it aligns with Paul's example of what it means to be unified. Sacrificing our will does not only unify our will with the Father, but also unifies one another. Uh, Let's read verses 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I think Paul is saying here that God transforms us to be like Jesus, and the natural result will be for us to be unified as, one another, as the body of Christ, to be unified with one another. Um, and I think Paul's pointing out a few things to help us to be unified as the body of Christ, things that we need to work on because it's hard to be unified with one another because we're humans and we have our own will sometimes when we should have had Christ's will and it sticks out like a sore thumb. We all have it. 
our lives should be unified in Christ's will. When we live in Christ, that means we need to work together and have one mindset. So the first thing I think that, that Paul is saying is that we cannot be unified with the body of Christ unless we are humble toward one another. Simple, humble toward one another. And he says that in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay? I think Paul is asking us to be humble. Pride puffs up, and it can even warp our reality. Humility actually forces us to tell the truth. Humility forces us to tell the truth. So I, I had an opportunity to lead worship for a, a youth ministry when I was about three years into college. And I was really excited because um, I, I never uh, really had an opportunity to um, work with uh, a bigger church. And this is like a you know, 3,000-person church, and they had a big youth group. And, and so I was doing that for a few years, and then a youth, new youth pastor came in. And uh, we got along pretty well. But he wanted someone who wasn't just a volunteer. He wanted someone part-time. So he brought, brought in this guy, and I didn't like him. And I didn't like him because, one, he got my position, and two, I thought he was a terrible instrumentalist, and he couldn't sing. And I was, I was like, how does he get this job? And I'm, I know I, ha- I can sing better. I know at least I can sing better than him. I know I can do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I got really upset. Um, and not only did he take me away from leading worship and put this other guy in place, he said, oh, now you're going to have to serve him. I'm like, wait, wait, I got to work with this guy? I don't know if I can do this. And my pride, it, it put a, a wedge between me and this other guy. And the crazy thing, this other guy, we did the same classes at Liberty together. The same degree in everything, okay? And I, I could have been close to this guy. His name is Doug. Um, I love him today. We worked everything out. But um, I could have been close to him. I could have been uni- more unified with, with him. You know, unified in, in, in encouraging the students and building the students up and more unified with the, the, the youth pastor at the time. But I let my pride break that, that unity that we could have had together. And it actually wasn't until I stepped away for a little bit and came back that I saw that my heart should have been of humility and servanthood. And I broke the, the unity that we could have had. And when I came back, I can't remember if he was gone or just about to leave, but when I came back, they gave me the position to lead the worship again. But I was seeing it through the eyes of, I'm here to serve and love. And, and I saw it from a humble state, not a, I deserve this state. I saw it from a, a humble mindset instead of just, just give it to me because I know I, I've earned it. And so when we work with one another, we need to have that, that humble mindset, that humble heart to, to know that our place. Um, and the next thing that he says is not only having a, a humble heart, but also judge rightly about one another. Judge rightly about another, one another. Now, I don't think Paul is saying turn a blind eye to how people act. I don't think he's saying that. <clears throat> When we think rightly about something, 
we are to use sober judgment, as Paul puts it, is the act of weighing things as they are and not letting our feelings and our desires and our wants make things weigh in our favor. And this takes discipline to do this. Thinking rightly about others also means that we see others as Jesus sees them. We see others as Jesus sees them. And the more we see how much Jesus has loved us when we don't deserve it, the easier it is for us to love one another. When we think rightly about others and ourselves, we can better love and forgive each other and work together. I I think sometimes when we see things, um, we can be very quick to judge someone else's motives, to judge a person where they're at, We don't understand their context. We don't understand how they're thinking about things. And we can just just bluntly go in and cut them down with the truth. But we're supposed to rightly evaluate the situation, rightly understand who we're talking to, who we're working with, how they think, how we think, how the people that we work with, all those different things. And that's hard. That's exhausting at times because I just want, you know, what I want. Okay, so I'm just going to blurt out the truth, and this is how it goes, and you're going to have to get over it, all right? Now, there's times where a decision needs to be made, and you, just, and you say, hey, guys, this is just how it's going to be. But even in that, that can be done where we rightly evaluate how the person receives that instruction and that truth and that understanding. And, and, and when we do that, when we judge rightly about one another in our situations, that unifies us. That doesn't break us apart. That unifies us. That helps us show love to one another. And I've experienced that. I've experienced both sides where I had uh, uh, someone that I worked with who came in, instead of asking me about um, how I'm progressing on things in life and, and, and how, I should, uh, know, how, how I should do better at different things, he just came and he just said, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing this wrong, and he just, he just, just punched me in the face with all these negative things. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know how to, to take this. But I've also had people that came alongside me and said, hey, um, let me help you work out these things. I want you to understand from the Word of God how this looks and how we should care for one another in this. And they didn't They say, you're failing at this, you're failing at that, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. And I mean, sometimes people do that and just have to just take it in and be like, okay, I'll learn from that, you know. But when we are patient and kind with one another and help each other rightly understand the situation and, how, and, and rightly assess what's going on, the better we are unified as the body of Christ. Um, the third thing I think Paul is saying that leads us to unity is love and forgiveness towards one another. Romans 12.10, he says this later on, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. We cannot separate knowing and loving Jesus from knowing and loving his church. We have all had those good and bad experiences together with the body of Christ. Right? It's like being in a family. We, things aren't going to go right all the time. We're going to have our up days. We're going to have our down days. We're going to have fights among the family. But... Unless we love, and with love we forgive, 
and work those things out, those fights within the family, they, they spread. They spread. And because remember, we're, we're the body of Christ. And if something is hurt in the body and it's not dealt with, that affects the entire body. The entire body compensates for that. I went to the chiropractor one time and um, I had gotten this, a, uh, a hair splinter in my toe. You guys ever had those? They're painful. Don't ever get them. Seriously, they're, they're terrible. And so I, I went to the chiropractor and I was, I, I was uh, laying on the table and I was telling them my, my, my hip's out. I don't know why, but my hip's out. And they said, you know, get up and walk. And I showed them what I was doing. Said, oh, you're babying your foot. I'm like, I'm babying my foot? Yeah, you're not putting pressure on it. So your body's compensating for that. And so I was walking and my hip was up like this. And it looked really weird, but I was trying to not step on my foot. And when we have a trouble in our body, in the body of Christ, and we don't deal with it, we don't bring those people together and help them to love and forgive one another, and we don't love and forgive other people, that little thing turns into a bigger thing, and then my hip was out, and then I couldn't walk right, and it was painful, and it hurt. The body of Christ, when it is unified, those things are worked on. Those things are not thrown underneath the rug. And I say that because I've been a part of both sides. I've been a part of holding things in and not working with other people. I've also been a part of helping unify the body of Christ and helping people work through those things. And if we're going to call ourselves the family of God and be unified, we need to love one another. And love is hard sometimes because it, it takes us, even though we don't want to, to, to move forward with a relationship, to talk things out, to forgive one another. And this won't always happen. I wish it would. This won't always happen. But I think that's what Paul is asking us to do, to be unified, that we love and forgive one another, and then we show each other honor. We show each other honor. And that's, that's hard. I mean, there's people that have told me, oh, it should be done this way. Things that should be, we should do this, or we should do that, or we should do that. And, and there are times where I'm just like, I, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do. Just move aside. And Christ is saying, no, we're supposed to honor one another. Honor one another. Honor in, in how we greet one another. Honor in when we make decisions, how it's going to affect one another. I mean, making decisions for a church is hard because everyone has their own understanding and mindset about it. Not, and not that everyone says any, you know, things to, to us as pastors, but... <clears throat> Being humble, thinking about things rightly, loving and honoring one another. That honor part sometimes gets me. And I mean, there's been times that Kelly's seen it where I will, I will um, say something to a person in a certain way and I realize 10 minutes later, I'm like, wow, I totally just disrespected them. I didn't honor them. I didn't honor them not because they're the, the body of Christ. I didn't honor them because I, I didn't care about how they wanted something to be done. Or I didn't stop and listen and, and take the time to, to care for them. And so as we love one another, we also need to honor one another. Um, to be unified with the body of Christ, we need to, one, to humble ourselves, to two, to rightly judge one another, and to three, love and forgive one another. So how do we apply this to our life? What are the practical steps? 
And I go back to um, just the first thing, to know the love of Jesus. We need to press on in unity by knowing the love of Jesus. Simply, we need to spend time with Jesus. Just like Mary Magdalene did, Martha decided to cook in the kitchen and serve, and Mary decided to be at the feet of Jesus. Just to be at the feet of Jesus. And we need to prioritize spending time with Jesus in our lives. I uh, went to a camp growing up called Alethea Springs, and um, Doc and Miss Judy were the ones that ran the camp. And it was a two-week middle school camp and a one-week high school camp. And you go there, and you have Bible classes all day long. And it was a wonderful time for me to grow in the Lord. Well, when I got here to, to Bacon's Castle, I talked to Jimmy about it. He's like, hey, I know Doc and Miss Judy. I'm like, what? You know Doc and Miss Judy? He's like, yeah, Doc used to mentor me. I was like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? It's such a small world. Well, a few weeks later, after that, I called um, the camp, and I was talking to Miss Judy. And uh, we were talking. Uh, before I got off the phone, she said, Michael, are you in the Word of God every single day? And I sheepishly and embarrassingly said, no, I, I am not. I'm like, I, I do study for sermons, and I do Bible studies um, for the church. And, and she's like, Michael, you need to make sure that you're in the Word of God. Because unless you are in the Word of God, you're not knowing Him. You're not letting Him speak to you. How will you know what God has asked you to do? Or how do you know his love for you? How will you know the way he thinks about you unless you take time and fill your heart and your mind with the truth of God? How will you know Jesus Christ unless you take that time? Now, she said that, and it's, been, it's in my mind a lot, honestly, for her saying that, uh, for her to speak up and be bold about it. I was very thankful for that. Am I in the word of God every single day? No. But that does come in my mind often, and I'm like, okay, I need to stop right now, no matter what I'm doing. I need to get in the Word of God. Not that I'm going to learn something amazing, but just in that moment for God to speak to me. So we need to press on to unity by knowing Jesus, to knowing his love. And I think the best way is to be in the Word of God, not only individually, but also corporately, too. So the second thing, we need to press on in unity by letting the love of Jesus be displayed in our actions. Once we know Jesus' love because we've read the word of God, because we sit at his feet, um, our actions need to reflect that same love. We are God's representatives here on earth, no matter if we like it or not, and people look at us and say, oh, you're a Christian. We're like, yes, I am. And as we make decisions about what we do, we need to let the love of Jesus motivate those decisions. We are to be hospitable and kind and forgiving and patient and joyful thankful and gentle and self-controlled, and many other things. But these come from knowing Jesus. And this, this time of knowing Jesus is him changing us. I would love to say that one day I wake up and be like, okay, I want to be this now. And Jesus Christ is like, you can't be that unless you let me change you. Knowing Jesus changes us. I think we've complicated so many times where we think we have to push hard and, and, and set certain things we have to, got to do every day to make sure that's in our routine. And No, the more we are in the Word of God, it changes the way we think about ourselves and, and one another. 
And when we look at life and we actually see who we are, who Christ has made us into, and the, the mercy and the grace that he's given us, that's what changes us. And the Spirit uses that to change our actions. So we need to press on to unity by letting the love of Jesus be displayed in our actions because his love is changing us. And the uh, third and final application is we need to press on in unity by bringing others along with us or along with you. As each, as we grow um, to know Jesus' love more and more, we need to say, who else needs to know this love? I've had so many people in my life who have just taken the time to invest in me and to show Jesus' love to me. People that have spent hours and days with me, but people that have spent an hour or 10 minutes with me. And those people have helped me know Jesus' love more. You can be that. You can be that person. Each of us has a unique story and a gifting that can be used to help encourage and teach someone else. And I know this is sort of scary for a lot of people because I think the church has done, in many ways, a, a bad job of separating the different gifts and the different people that work in ministry and say, okay, you can't work in ministry unless you have done A, B, C, and D. No, no, no. God has gifted each of you to work in his ministry. We need your gift. We need your gift. We each can feed into each other. We can build each other up. It is a call that Jesus gave us. You know this call? To make disciples. And to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. I mean, what higher calling is there than that? You have been given permission and authority to make disciples of the whole earth. You have been given permission and authority to make disciples of the whole earth. Will you allow God to use your gifting to accomplish that? Jesus wants us all to be actively building the body of Christ so that we can be unified in the one purpose so that we can know Jesus and bring others to know Jesus as well. Let that be our goal that we press on toward in 2022. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed.